This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Yeah, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. Hey, welcome to 2022, man. Yeah, it's like it feels kind of crazy to hear be here. It's like you know that we're here at all. It's like you know after 2021 was kind of the extended hangover from 2020. You know. <laughs> so true. So true, indeed. So, uh, with that being said, um, what are you going to talk about? Well, it's like it's like um, much much sooner than we did last year. It's like it's going to be about the best of twenty best best cons of that year because, man, it's like you know it's like as crazy as, as last last year was. It's like you know there were still a lot of good comics to to read, and also you know just um, it's like when I was going over like you know my like stuff compiled my list, I thought I was worried that oh you know like I've got some thoughts for like the the very best stuff, but as far as everything else, you know, what else do I have here? What else came out last year? And then, you know, like going through everything, it's like, wow, it's like, that's actually kind of a big list. I'm actually going to have to make some choices here. So that, so it's, so on one hand, it's good, good to see that, you know, there was lots of good stuff like from, from last year. There's also mediocrity as well. And there's also some crap as well, which we'll get to eventually. But, but yeah, like there was, there's definitely like a, Enough stuff like those that allow me to complete a uh, top ten list for this, like for this year, as well as some honorable mentions. Which you know, just running, running down the list I got here, um, stuff like Doctor Strange, Sur- Surgeon Supreme. It was Mark Wade and um, Kev Walker teaming up to t- tell us about um, Stephen Strange after he had managed to regain the use of his hands and become a surgeon again. And um, it turns out that it didn't actually make his life any easier. It's like. But it also, but it also did make it more interesting, and especially with um, Walker handling the visuals, made it a lot, made it even more better to look at. Unfortunately, it's like because of um, because of COVID issues, like last year's, so it only it only wound up lasting its it it, it it's a one six issue opening arc, and that was a shame. Um, also, there was um, um Hiroki Endo's um all rounder Meguru, which um, may have lacked flash as a. Uh, it's like as a, as a martial arts story about um, it's like about um, uh, mixed mixed martial arts um fight fighting, including its main its title character who was just trying to like you know find his find his way like in this like like into some competitive sphere, but it also did a good job of like you know just like showcasing the like like the, the grounded like you know like aspects of like it's like of like of MMA while also just like you know. Um, giving us like lots of interesting characters to like follow as well. Also from the manga sphere is some um, dead dead demons dead 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 destruction from In- Inio Asano. Now this is a series that hasn't that didn't quite um catch fire in the same way that some of his other series have in my my mind. But um the volumes he delivered this year, specifically volume nine, when we find out um like one of the like the real reason that one of its main characters like is um is the way she is was um pretty devastating because um volume nine was really really dark in its own ways because not only did it deal with um themes of um like 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 dark themes involving like the depression and suicide but also it took the the the, one of the things things we have in 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 romance and friendship in the sense that how there's some character who feels that you know hey it's like I don't care if the world is going to uh, die, it's like Irvin's going to be going to be screwed after because of what I do, but I'm going to save you no matter what. And that's what happens here. Only, only once. Well, what initially seems to be like a really you know like um, great um, de- depiction of friendship, basically seems to be um, dooming the world as, as a result. And I didn't quite see that coming, and that was really something to behold here even if it's just kind of like like it's kind of like a ruin your day kind of like um like episode right here um also from also in a i'm um, going back tomorrow for a second is um christopher cantwell and salvador lorca's um dr doom series which concluded with its second volume here which also did a great job of getting inside the villain's head and showing you why he is the way he is how his like how his drive to feel superior is going like it's going, it's just going to like you know be the be the death of him and of anyone who tries tries to engage with him. I mean, aside from delivering one of the all time great Richards moments, we also find out that um that he's just not willing to abide like any version of himself who is better than him 
as well. Um, there's also um, Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette's um, Wonder Woman Earth One, which also wrapped up with this third volume here. And it didn't make the top 10 list because, well, um, this is basically, basically the previous two volumes he relied on this third volume in order to make, make them work. You need to buy this series as it is in order to, um, like in all, all three volumes, in order to like really appreciate, you know, what it, what it does here. And the short version is that, you know, it's like, it shows you that, you know, by respecting like everyone's like everyone's identity via race, via race, gender, sex, it's like, yo, Hey, this is how we all win in the end. And I think that, and I really like that about the series. It's like, it was a moral lesson that I could really get behind uh, compared to other, other titles that maybe just, you know, were more about just, you know, shouting out the, like the obvious stuff rather than showing what, showing it as I'm going to, as, as Paquette and uh, Morrison did here. Um, also, I'm going to special mention to Hellions, um, which is like arguably like the secret best X-Men um, series going right now. While, um, Hick, while Hickman's X-Men um, like pushed like his um, narrative forward, it's like in um, it's like entertaining in unexpected ways. And while um, Jerry Dugan's um, like Marauders, it's like you know, gave us like a um, you know, like a a fun like a piracy themed X Men series. Hellions was the, the series that kind of pushed at the uh, it's like at the bounds of you know what was acceptable in terms of X Men, like how it's how its characters were like were, were compromised, were actually working in the best interests of mutanity, and also like giving us a great a uh, Mister Sinister who is just you know like the evil the evilest drama queen. It's like all, all in it for for himself, but also um like you know suffering like um because of how how he just couldn't quite see all all the angles here. It's great fun and I it's like and, I, and even though it's like wrapping up with like its third volume, it's like I wish we could have gotten gotten more of it. But um and also last but not least is um is is a story that you know it's like I uh you know it's like I on one hand I would have like to have included this in the top 10 because it's really like a great story um like for the characters talking about that is um Kieran Gylan and um Jimmy McKelvey's um story from Batman the latest Batman, Batman Black and White anthology the riddle because well you know it's like there's never such thing as a bad Batman Black and White um anthology this one maybe wasn't quite as great as the uh, other uh, as the pre ones that had come before but um Gylan and McKelvey's um um, story here, which is a choose-your-own-adventure story about um, you know Batman facing off against the Riddler, did a great job of um, nailing what makes the Riddler such a great Batman villain, and also just you know how he like how his ideas about you know what about facing off against Batman work, in and also in the sense that you know hey if you're going to like, get to the real end of the story, well you've got you the reader have to be Batman as well. And um it's something that I that I um I showed to my sister's family and um they liked it even if I had to tell them that oh in order to like to really really beat the story this is how you've got to do it. And as soon as I get a uh, proper gathering in my place I plan on foisting this the story upon everyone else just to see what they think about it as well because it's 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 really great. And if um if Gylan and McKelvey don't at least get an Eisner nomination for um, for this story um, next year, then the process is well and truly broken. That being said, um, let's get on with the actual proper top 10 of 2021. And starting at the, at the bottom, like the, like the, be, like, like, the, like, the, like the least best of this, of the stuff, but also still pretty great as um, John will, will certainly attest to is um it's like is um keep your hands off Azoken. This is a series that um got a anime adaptation um back in 2020 that um made usually a lot of acclaim on Netflix and Dark Horse picked up the uh, the uh, manga license um like to release in, in the U.S. this year. It's like two volumes are released with a third one forthcoming um in a in another, in another month or two, and um it's a story about these three these three girls these three misfits who basically trying are trying to like um form their own like anime club on on campus but it's also all about the, like the uh, difficulty in um when it comes to like you know making like i'm um, creating something what kind of what are you going to do in order what kind of like um compromises and um decisions are you need to do in order to um make something that's like that that, ple that pleases you and um 
it's like it's like and it's true, true to your beliefs it's like it's kind of like a uh, like a like a student side view of like you know the process of making anime itself but it's but it's thoroughly entertaining the characters are like are are definitely definitely likable and there, there's a reason i bought this uh, bought the first volume of this for um for two of my two of my friends this year it's like and it's also the fact that hey you know it's like the series definitely needs it's, it's your commercial support because you know because i'm not sure if dark horse is going to be able to release another volume after volume three unless you know everyone goes out and buys more volumes of this right now so but um it but yeah it was it was pretty great i look forward to reading this this third volume when it like when it comes out um next on the list number nine is also from dark horse and it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a fudge because it wasn't actually released this year it's like the latest edition of this was basically given was um released by the company this is a um, heart in a box by um kelly thompson and meredith mclaren it's about a girl whose um, heart whose heart is broken by her latest boyfriend and um she meets up with this like this mysterious guy who appears out of nowhere when she's like you know limping into your heartbreak and she's quickly and he offers to like you know to, you know, to take her take her heart away and uh, so that she won't be able to feel as feel as bad as anymore you know and um stop me if you see this coming but she does she agrees to this and then she realizes that you know by giving her heart away she can't feel anything and um so she really then so when she talks talks to this guy says like yeah i want my heart back she says well uh, it's been divided up in pieces and you've got to go and uh you gotta go and get them back and you know what there's bloodshed there's murder there's um more heart more heartbreak there's betrayal there's a lot of um ugly you know selfish and violent stuff that goes on in order for our character main character to get her heart back but you know it's like it's it's like it's all it all feels like um it all, it all feels kind of worth it especially like the way that um thompson and mclaren like present it as you know just hey you know like this is like she has to get her heart this, this character our character actually get her heart back and like you know she's got to like you know make some make some hard choices in order to do that and but these choices are presented in a it's like in a in a believable and like an emphatic way in the sense that you understand like why she's making these choices even when they involve like dig, digging up a dead body or just you know like putting an axe into a guy's head there you go next on the list you know also involves a fair amount of bloodshed but um it's don't worry it's the fair it's the uh, superhero um like you know we're gonna like um like uh, kill kill a bunch of like um alien like like alien um symbiotes kind and when i say symbiotes yep that means i'm talking about donny kate's ryan stegman and friends venom not only was um it's like um venom beyond the um it's like a, a great um what if style story that um just not only like ask the question you know what if um eddie brock had killed himself like when he came to the uh the church where spider-man like i'm um, trying to get himself away from his black costume back in the day but what if um it's like um dylan his son dylan um didn't um what if he didn't um sacrifice everything in 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 order to like save dylan in um, absolute carnage it's that's that's a good what if like marvel story but also the uh like the uh, the king in black story was like was also a pretty pretty decent um event story as well but it also but the real like heart of this story was the final venom 200 issue where um where kate basically showed us you know hey you know like this is what um eddie brock is doing now he's like the basically the king like the uh god emperor of all all symbiotes living in an apartment on it's like you know in, in new york trying to like um get make sure his son like has a good good um school life it's great you know classic classic marvel style superhero like superhero um like setup and all it's like and also but also does a good job of like you know showing us you know like how just like how 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 far Eddie has come since the start of um um Kate's run which basically is unique amongst most modern superhero stories in the sense that you know instead of like you know breaking a character down it's all this his run is all about building Eddie Brock back up into being a uh it's like a uh, it's like like a good like a, a good solid um human um decent human being again it's like, and I really enjoyed seeing that over the course, like over the course of his story. It's like, yeah, it's like, and I haven't read like you know, L, 
any Venom runs beyond this. But yeah, I feel confident saying that, hey, if you this is like the one Venom story you need to read, you got to read this one. Okay. Next up, though, is um, as a series that I was that um that I know has been like you know getting a lot of buzz lately, but I was not really expecting to to like as much as I did, and that was um the Department of Truth by um James Tinian the Fourth and um Mart and, and artist Martin Simmons. Tinian is someone who has not really impressed me with his superhero work at DC, mainly because um he tends he tends to follow a very conventional path especially with his um, Batman detective comics run. But um, after hearing about, you know, uh, this, like this series and how it was getting like so much like buzz and sales, I figured, okay, well, I'll give it a shot and see what it's like. And well, that this first volume really impressed me. Basically it's all about a, uh, like a secret service agent named Cole, who um, basically gets um, like, uh, like, like who was, who specializes in um, like you know researching conspiracies, but then finds out that there's more, much more to them than that. When he's um, like, I put on a plane and taken to the edge of the world, where it's like we find out that the world really is flat. There's a big ice wall, you know, separating things us from the void. But that's all because um, like conspiracies are now like I'm um, fully like fully influencing reality. And there's another another organization called Black Hat that seeks to exploit you know, like humanity's willingness to believe these things. Standing between, um, you know, Black Hat and the in Oblivion are is the Department of Truth, the uh, the the Department of like the of the uh, United States government that is basically all about you know, wep- um, like turning what is real and weaponizing that like that belief to a certain extent. And who's leading it? Well, none other than Lee Harvey Oswald, the same guy. Who just to declare that he was a patsy in the uh, it's like in the in the murder of JFK, and in this first in the first volume specifically, um, Tinian does a great job of like explaining like you know why like you know America is so susceptible to to conspiracies. It's like and also just showing you know, how Cole you know kind of gets like you know sucked into you know working for this for this, for this division, and also like how how his history um, also has like you know like. Is also some special special meaning to them as well. Um, it didn't. I didn't put this higher on the list because I think that the uh, second volume doesn't quite have the same magic as the first. Um, in the sense that you know, it's second. The second volume has definitely has, has its moments. This is in a um, story about how how one guy's quest to find Bigfoot you know dominated his life and drove him apart from his from his wife and his kids. But it kind of felt like. Yeah, like, um, Tinian and Simmons were leading us by the nose for a good portion of that, that, that volume. But still, like, yeah, it's this is definitely a series that's worth reading, and it's so, so much better than his um best-selling series, um, something is killing the children, which you know it's like just does a standard you know monster like there's something like there's a monster out there and it's like you know wants to kill people specifically kids, but doesn't actually do. Do anything new with this with that premise department of truth does it's like and it's like and i'm really interested in seeing where, where things go from here next up on the list is also another image series um reckless um friend of the devil um ed brubaker and sean phillips had a had a banner year last year to the point where um their first reckless book something i was thoroughly primed to enjoy wound up being like just the least good um like thing they released last year i mean i liked it all but like, it wasn't quite like the home run that that um pulp and um the collected edition of their their criminal issues um cruel summer was um friend of the devil however like was um definitely like you know everything about i liked about the first volume only um like done that much better it's like we got a um we had a great great setup in the sense that you know that ethan uh, Main character Ethan Reckless gets a new girlfriend, and things are going great with them until she, his girlfriend sees that you know one of one of the girl background girls in one of his cult films is actually her um, her sister, her, her sister who disappeared years ago and like in, into the ho- Hollywood of the seventies, and now Ethan has to like you know, go and track her down. What he finds is like a little, it's like uh, it's a bad 
bad nightmare of sex, like of sex cults. Um, it's like um, de- like um, devil worship in Nazis. Um, that is just that's just terrible for all all parties involved. I mean, you really can't go wrong with um, anything that's, that um, Brubaker and Phillips do. But um, friend of the devil is basically like, hey, you know, it's like if you weren't one hundred percent on board with you know with um, Reckless, you know, before with with the first volume, then yeah, it's like second, volume two will definitely get get you there. But um, it's not the best. Um, okay, well, the next time I'm talking about number five isn't the best um, image series I read last year as well, but it is the best new launch I read from Image. And that would be um, Radiant Black, Volume 1, um, Not-So-Secret Origin. Now, Kyle Higgins has done some work for um, DC in the past, and, but he's best known for his um, tenure on um, Power Rangers um, for, for Boom. Um, Radiant Black... Um, the impression I got from it was basically, oh, it's basically, you know, Power Rangers with the Serialers fouled off um, from Higgins and artist Marcelo Costa. It's about a guy, he's like, who, who like, um, he's, he's an aspiring, aspiring writer, but, you know, things, things go bad for him and he wants to have to move, move back home with his parents and hang out with his best friend, just like he, like he had just never, um, like, you know, succeeded in life up to this point. And then he um, gets contact, gets, is contacted by this, um, caught by this, some um, cosmic, um, um, like, um, consciousness. And he winds up, uh, you know, getting like, hey, you know, like, pow- like, um, like, um, like Sentai powers, like this, like he can, like his character can, like, he can control, he can control gravity. So like, you now he can be a superhero. This is great. And especially when, hey, a red variant of, um, it's like, like of his, like, of his power set, um, like shows up in the town as well and starts robbing banks. So this sounds great. I mean, it sounds like sounds like a perfectly serviceable superhero story. And you know what? For the first half of the volume, it is. It's like, but also it's it's serviceable in like the fun, invincible style way, in the sense that you know, it's it's dealing with some someone who um like you know gets all the uh, like you know the fundamentals of the of the of the genre right, and reminds you, hey, you know, this is why I like. Um, superhero stories, and while well, I'm going to keep reading them, but then as things go on, well, you know, it's like then we start like then the um, rug starts getting pulled out from under you. It's like because because at one point I realized, hey, you know what? Hey, why is it always like the the uh, unassuming, you know, non-threatening ma- main character who gets the uh, um, gets the powers? Why isn't the friend best friend who's always about? Oh man, it's like this is. This is so cool, man! It's like you know what I do with this these powers. Like, why don't, doesn't this guy get the pa- superpowers and all? Well, turns out Higgins um, had me covered there. He had considered this, and well, like there, like stuff happens in like towards the end of the main story in this volume. And in fact, you no, know, like he's also thought about how you know, like even the like the the, uh, the villains or the uh, the Red Radiant, who's you know made out to be like you know the the, the bank robber in the story. Well, turns out that even she's got her story, and like you know, she's also the uh, like the hero in her story as well. So, yeah, pe- people are complex, and there's and there's like you no know, more than one way to view any situation. And while while I'm not one hundred percent sold on the idea of like building a big you know superhero like universe out of this like series just based on the first volume, I will say that I'm willing to give it a chance based on based on the strength of this first volume. I will definitely say I'm absolutely um, on board for the uh, Red Radiant uh, miniseries that's being spun off from this, because, yeah, it's like, she's got all all sorts of stuff to say here as well. And, um, but moving on to, uh, to, like, to, um, to the number four slot, well, it's like, we're going back to uh, thoroughly grounded um, characters and situations and that also, you know, have a twist to them. Stuff that I didn't quite see coming. And this is um, Wave, listen to me. Because, hey, the creator of Blade of the Immortal, um, Hiroki Samura, has been knocking it out of the park with um, like with his um, subsequent series, um, Wave, and also um, Die Vergelder, which I'm very much looking forward to reading um, the next two-in-one omnibus um, next year, because even though it was supposed to come out this year, well, you know, I guess stuff happens, and you know, as long as 
I'm, I'm a patient man because volume two was um was so great. It was like the number, it was number two on um, pick on my 2019 um list. But um, but Wave listened to me did um a great job this year in terms of like you know, well, just the fact that I finally got to read stories after on um, volume three because initially Kodansha released volumes one, two, and three digitally, and then they started simulpubbing um the the uh the issues that um some are released in Japan with um with the US, but they didn't actually release the the, the volumes. Um then in twenty twenty they finally started releasing the uh, volumes dit volumes um like um, volumes one, two and three in print. And then starting this year we finally got to read volume four um for the first time in print and in digital. It's like like this year. And you know, it's like reading about um, aspiring um, radio star Minari Koda. It's like, and her like you know, it's like like her, her like her self destruct her self destructive um, like quest to become. Hey, like, I want to become a radio star, even if I'm you know, it's like it's like even if I'm just like you know, just like very loud and abrasive and just you know, like kind of, kind of crazy towards people, the other people that I meet. It's like it, you know, it's like it's it's entertaining. It's like and. Basically, it's like the the irreverence and character development um, sides that um that somehow are displayed in the Blade of the Immortal. Well, he's forwarding, he's um he's pushing those forward here. And while it'd be fun just to see like you know Minari just, you know slowly claw her way up towards uh, you know radio superstardom on her own terms. Well, Summer realizes that you know that's not exactly what we have here. That that's not that by itself you know isn't. Is entertaining stuff. You need to give something more. Like say, like say when um like like Minari like in, Minari and her assistant and and um the writer it's like who's reluctantly working with her decide to go to a uh, like small Japanese town for to do research for the writer's um latest novel, and he gets some material from Minari's new show. Well, they figure out, okay, you know, let's see what it's going to be like. We don't actually expect them to uh you know like fall down a trap door and become prisoners of a of a cult who is like, you know, turned to bring back the prominence of radio to Japan, maybe even through some like, you know, brainwashing of their, like of their own. It's like, it's, it's a re it's a weird, crazy twist that um, I didn't, I didn't see coming, but, um, but also, also made for like thoroughly entertaining reading and seeing how it played out. And not just in the context of the, of the arc that it was a part of, but also in the sense that it has additional, ongoing consequences to Minari's life long like after it's wrapped up as well like and also in um volume seven when um looks like we're getting a uh a standard story about um Minari um like helping a uh, shut-in like um reconnect with the with the outside world well you know turns out that um that someone also has plans like hey you know nope we're not doing like we're not doing that straightforward as well it's like we're actually gonna draw on some real world um stuff as well it's like and i'm not going to give that stuff away specifically but you know it's like i, I you know it's like even though it's like i kind of worry about you know like uh like like somewhere doing like oh we're doing another arc but then something this is going to happen as well it's like i worry about like the uh you know the long-term effects of that this kind of storytelling but at the same time what he's gotten out of it so far especially with the volumes released this year has been really great like, and I'm definitely very much looking forward to seeing what he does what he does next. Same goes for what I'm looking forward to um what the, our writer for the next for our next for our number three pick, which is like a two two series, two series in one, like um pick for this thing. Because really it's like I think that you know like the uh he's basically like you know moving one stuff from one series into another. And I'm talking about um Al Ewing over at Marvel. Basically, um, moving um, all of his plots from Guardians of the Galaxy over to Sword. That because basically, with um, like Ewing um, has done like great work at Marvel over, over the years. I picked um, his New Avengers um, like stories as one of the best, as, like as one of my favorite comics, like a couple couple years back. And um, he and um, this is before he um, hit it big with as the writer of um, the Immortal Hulk. But um, unfortunately, it shows that even with um, like like a blockbuster series um, at its back, you can't quite you know like get everything he does, 
everything is that I can't quite turn to gold, and that's why Garden, his Guardians of the Galaxy wrapped up after 18 issues, which is sad because volume volume two specifically was fantastic. Aside from you know, like like showing what um it's like what everyone was oh it's like what what things what everyone was going on with in the wake of um the the Empire crossover and what happened to um Peter Quill after he was after he was dead and how he basically wound up being reborn as an actual Star Lord and how that actually wound up being um a key to the uh um the King the, the King of Black crossover issue and the uh and how everyone like came back to together it's like you know to face off against the uh, reborn like Olympian lords and its final in the final issues of eleven two it's like it was like thoroughly entertaining just the kind of like clever stuff that I love reading from Marvel in the sense that you know hey like just taking all sorts of like you know random stuff and th- that's that's been built up in this past of the series but also just you know like showing out how hey you know maybe all this stuff can work towards like you know a new interpretation of a character or characters going forward it's like it was fantastic and um like seeing um seeing this stuff carried forward into um his run on sword which like the sentient world's observation division which is basically now the mutant um like space um like uh like mutant space division um i love like I love seeing seeing that done as well. It's like, and even though Sword is wrapping up with its second volume, and that's, uh, I kind of wish that yeah, that that he, that um, Ewing just even like you know had gotten the chance to like you know explore all this stuff across one title, but you know like, I get the feeling he's going to be like focusing push he's in paying all this stuff forward into the new um his new his list X Men title X Men Red, which we'll be talking about on um, Planet Araco, or basically like you know what Mars is like. Now that's been terraformed by the X-Men and made into a home for the um, Araco mutants. So yeah, it's like um I love this. It's like and I and definitely want to see what, what Ewing does, does next on this series. Hopefully he'll be able to get a chance to do this for for more than eleven to eighteen issues. Yeah. But um as far as like um long term games go, well, my number two pick um has been busy playing the long game. Like ever since some volume, volume one, ever since volume one, ever since its first issue, to the point where it's like, like even though like I've enjoyed reading um, volumes of the series individually on their own terms, I've increased this nagging feeling that wow, you know, I should be rereading every um, volume of this series before I uh, read a new volume of it because I can think there's a lot of stuff. Um, like being set up here that you know is meant to pay off in the long term, and you know what? I was right because this is a series that um, I did um, take the time to reread all five volumes before I read volume six, and even though it took me a long ass time, much longer than I was expecting to reread these five volumes, rereading them before I got to volume six was very much worth it because. Uh, Marjorie Liu and Sona Takeda are absolutely knocking it out of the park with Monstrous. Um, just like the story, the story of Mike, Micah Halfwolf, and uh, while she's got, well, she has a a, a, a plan to uh, maybe maybe save herself and say and save her world. Like, well, everyone else in her world also has plans for her as well. From her, it's like like from her from her long dead mother to her. To her um, ancient, ancient um, arcanic, arcanic um, wolf, like wolf grandmother, to the uh, em- like to the court, like to the empire, the empire who wants to like u- utilize her powers to their own own ends, to her father who wants to like do the same, and even her like her lover who is like you know she's like 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 she 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 definitely loves her, but like you know she's also like bound to the like the, the whims of the of her like of her seat of power, the dust court. So there's all sorts of like, you know, like there's like a, all sorts of long-term, like, you know, like, um, like plans going on here and rereading um all five volumes of first five volumes before reading volume six. Um, yeah. It's like, it made everything that happened in volume six a lot clearer, even though like, you know, there were like on volume six, I also had the two um talk story issues, basically, basically like, you know, stories about um Kippa, and um, you know, 
like how she um she and her sister tried to make a uh, like a a great family dinner that also has like you know like un tragic undercurrents because nothing with Kippa can ever be just you know entirely wholly happy, and also like the story about how Micah um you know once um um fled with her um their iconic um fish fish friend to a story to to try to go to an island that would um like you know be free of like all the people who wanted to manipulate her it's like but and and she wound up basically getting the best summer vacation ever which is great but um the, but even then the uh the issues themselves did also do a good job of showing us what happens when hey micah gets winds up coming to talk with both her lover her aunt her grandmother it's like and also the uh like the empire's plans to try and like you know take them all out like it's on one hand it's like it's great it makes her great drama makes her great action and even and even there are some moments when like you know when surprise surprise mike actually gets the upper hand it's like when you think that oh man this is great maybe she'll actually like you know like stop suffering for like for for like five minutes in this story and, and even though like yeah like, like this is that, that, that good that's a good thing volume five volume six basically ends on a, a on a, on, a, on a major cliffhanger but in the sense that you know it's like i think i probably would have like you know felt a lot worse about this cliffhanger if i hadn't reread all the previous volumes and realized that you know this is all cyclical it's like you know like micah's like like she's gonna struggle like everyone is going to struggle in this series because even the bad guys struggle which is great and um like and I, and I and i love that and you know it's like even though it's like like volume six ends like really badly for micah oh man it's like i still have the feeling that yeah you know she's gonna come back like then she's gonna come back stronger than before and i want to see that because like, i guess that's kind of what um what's kind of like driving my anticipation for volume seven because i mean I'm, i read the solicitations like um for the, for the series like every month and I know that you know oh this is gonna be bad but at the same time like I see this is it's a bad situation for Micah right now but the series basically says lets me know that oh you know like there's hope like it's gonna be like, things are better right now but it's gonna be better because that's the way the series goes and I like that and and what can top that well how about a story about a uh, a creator who was basically established himself for doing one thing, but proves really adept at doing something else. It's showing that 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 there is more to, to him than um than the uh than than the gory crowd pleasing antics that he's best known for. I'm talking about um Tatsuki Fujimoto, who um yeah you'll know you'll know him like for like hey I I did a podcast about him at the beginning of last year with steve how we talked about how much we liked um his like his series fire punch and you know i mean i mean it's not the greatest series but it's a series that we respect because it takes lots of big swings and does lots of stuff differently from like from other from other titles and like and as i grow older it's like i kind of respect that a lot more than just you know stuff that you know just goes through the motions i mean just even if, like, even if you're just, like, going to do something, like, weird and strange, do, like, swing as big as he does here. But in the end, you know, like, he's achieved his greatest success with um, Chainsaw Man. It's, like, the story of a, uh, like, a, like, of a high school, high school kid who is, um, like, who is friends with, like, with a chainsaw demon, dies, and is, um, and bonds with this, um, with this demon in order to become, like, the, uh, the character known as, like, a, become the chainsaw devil that is um promptly snatched up by um by the public safety division and its um leader machina to um take out all sorts of demons it's like and you know it's like hay okay, like you know sorry stories about like teenagers who fight demons it's like in in manga are just kind of like the uh, Japanese equivalent of like the uh lawyer cop or doctor show it's like over here in America but there's like but there's also this but you know there's this like awful but like um like sense of like sense of fatalism and um like and like tra and and go and all and Kobe sounds like gore to sick chainsaw man man apart from the rest of the shonen, shonen jump pack but you know like um my pick isn't chainsaw man i mean i like it i i love it really it's like but it's not my favorite but it's really the uh, one shot that fujimoto did um while he was while he was knocking that series out on a 
uh, on a weekly basis, I imagine, for Shonen Jump. This will be um, my favorite pick of this year for number one number slot is Look Back. It's a story of a, it starts off as a story of a, um, it's like of a um, fourth grader named um, like, Fu, like Fujino, who um, makes these um, like really, really, um, really well liked um, like four panel manga strips. And um, while these, while everyone in her class loves these strips, um, her teacher basically asked, yeah, would you be willing to give um, one of your slots over to this, um, like this one girl who wants to try um, writing for this, like writing for the school magazine? And she doesn't come to school and all, but she wants to like, you know, give it a shot. And Fujino, Fujino is kind of like, oh, sure, I mean, like she, like if she's not going to come to school, like, you know, what I have to worry about? But then when she uh, sees, sees these um, four panel, four panels like um strips like the art is just like phenomenal it's like like next level stuff and she and she's driven to um try and find a way to compete with that and at first you think this is going to be like you know a story about you know like her trying to like you know find a way to like you know be the best that she is it's like and like how is she going to like you know be a better manga con than this like you know like shut in who just doesn't come to school and just like makes great art this is a series that takes a lot of um, unexpe unexpected terms from from the encounter when um, Fujino encounters like the, the like this artist um, Kyo um, Kyomoto who's like like who's like the uh, she's the one who's been like who she's been like thinks she's been competing against but then um, she when she finally meets her she realizes that okay it's like you know this is what I want to do it's like and they um, they work together. In order to like you know make, it's like in order to make manga as well, and then you know it's like well, real life gets in the way, and then tragedy gets in the way, and then when um, Fujino tries to deal with this, well, then then things get weird. Then um you know then like either it's like you know we get like a vision of what might have been, it's like or she re she rewrites things in her head, and um we. And like uh, she tries to like you know process you know what's what's happened in her on her own terms. It, there's a there's some room for interpretation about how this story plays out, but ultimately, it's a story about what it means to create. You know, like whether like you're making manga, it's like you know, or just you know, like you're writing, it's like or just like you or doing like you know blogs or podcasts. It's like what, why do you do what what you do when you're just not creating, not consuming, but you know, creating, creating something. And I think the series like did a good job of, of hitting home, of like hitting at the uh, the cost that's that um that that creation involves. It's like, but also um illustrating its rewards as well. But how it's like, you know, it's like it's never just about you. How it's ultimately about you know the connections you make like along along this line. I felt it was. It, it, like it, it, it got me really. It's like I was, it's like I, I was invested in this, in the story. It's like and just like rereading it again. Like, like hey, it's like there, there's a reason I um, wrote up my thoughts about it um, earlier this week. Um, ahead of like ahead of this podcast because yeah, you know, I wanted to say, put get that get get down some words specifically about you know how, that but but how. Uh, how well the series, the series, this one shot worked for me. And on one hand, I'm a little bit disappointed by the fact that the only way you can read it legitimately is by um, is by um, um, shilling out for visits on Shonen Jump um, subscription service. But at the same time, it's only like a uh, it's like two dollars a month. So there you go. There's that. So it's it's kind of still kind of dirt cheap. And I really hope that um Viz does the right thing and this is in print because it has released released been released in print in Japan like as well. I mean I saw it at the last time I was at Kunukunya and man I would have bought that in an instant if the, if an English edition had been released and hopefully that's in the offing for 2022. But um we're not done with this year yet because hey you know what's the best of this year without the worst this year? And you know unlike last year like years past like you know, it's like I don't think you know we don't have any like manga that's say you know like really sticking up the joint this this year. I mean, there are some stuff that like I've moved over to my two cell um pile, but none quicker than something like say um 
the scumbag by Rick Remender and um and his artistic collaborators, which you know is meant on one hand is meant to be about you know like the worst person in the world who gets like you know um like who gets like um James Bond's um level superpowers and um but it's a uh it's a de- it's a depressing unfunny um chief story that doesn't actually that even though it's ca- character position is like the worst person in the world it doesn't actually like it doesn't actually like do like you know worst level person in the world level stuff it's like it's a cheap safe um kind kind of story about you know badness and that's that was really kind of depressing but it wasn't the worst thing i read last year no i guess you know like the worst thing i read the issue is like a superhero story that basically um promised a lot of stuff and ultimately didn't deliver it's like and basically made me feel like i had wasted my time and i should just like you know chuck all of my uh volumes of this i had read of this series up to this point i did the two cell pile nope that would be um nick spencer's amazing spider-man a series that started out being like you know good you know good spider-man style fun you know in the sense that hey shows like you know peter parker oh man he's got such bad luck that he lost not only to lose his um lose his company like in between um runs it's like well he also uh, having to um repeat um like college as well in order to get his um degree back but and you know well like i think that um when spencer is doing this is doing funny spider-man um like he it's 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 pretty good but when he's doing serious spider-man it's like well nope um i'm i'm losing my faith faith in this and um this year well it's basically been nothing not only has it been nothing but serious spider-man it's also been um you know him just trying to rewrite a lot of uh um like spider history as well to the point where like this this um final arc involved it's like involving the uh um this like the the uh two like um like several different versions of the sinister six like at war with each other um basically it's like it's just he's just been trying to re rewrite spider continuity to the point where it's like all the stuff that everyone had issues with like especially the uh like norman osborne having um sex with um gwen stacy business from J. Michael Straczynski and Mike, Mike Diodato's um, Sin's Past arc. Well, it's like, you know, that's, you know, that's, um, that, that didn't happen as well. It's just, I don't know. It's like, it just feels like it's, he's, like he was just using his, um, using his story not to just, um, like tell great new stories, but just like to fix stuff like from the past and in a very ham-fisted way as well. It's, it's why I, well, I um like while I'm still reading this on a uh, Marvel Unlimited, like you know the reason I do that is because you know reading stuff on Marvel Unlimited is you know effectively free for the most part as far as after you pay the initial um subscription cost for it. But as far as actually, do I want any of this stuff in my library anymore? No, no, I do not, and um you shouldn't either. And that being said, I am kind of like looking forward to the fact that you know Zeb Wells. The writer of Hellions is taking over Spider-Man full time um, next year. So all, so yeah, I'm. It could be a you know like like Peter could be Peter's um life story could be back in my good graces um, next year. But as of right now, it's like um, meeting Spider-Man is kind of like you know all the stuff like I that annoys me, frustrates me, and angers me about like, like about comics. And yeah, I'm still reading it, but. <sighs> you shouldn't really it's like i'm just putting this through this because like hey because i can because it's free because like i pay for this i pay for like all sorts of like comics in in addition to on this one so yeah but don't bother with this you really shouldn't and um but you know it's like hey you don't want to end on like you know this uh this downer note of um like how bad like amazing spider-man is right now but what do we got to look forward to for next year well We've got um, the final volume of The Girl from the Other Side, which I was hoping to look cover um, like this year, but then when um, well, volume 11 wraps up the main story arc, volume 12 is supposed to be like the uh, final, like the final, um, like, like, collect, like additional side stories from the main creator, um, Nagabe. It's like, I want to like 
figured to see if, I, if that added anything to the experience as well. There's also um, Fumi Yoshinaga's um, final volume of like, you know, what if um, Feudal Japan was a matriarchy, um, Oku, so can hopefully, it's like, you know, a series won't be like as as depressing as um as as other volumes of this series have, have been as well. And while um, I think that um, Remender's, um, like uh, Rick Remender's um, The Scumbag was very disappointing, um, his um, um, deadly class for images has, has generally been a consistent delight, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how, like how he and Russ Craig wrapped that series up, like for, like for its final volume. Also, um, Jonathan Hickman is taking off from X Men, um, regrettably early, but he's doing it um, with a uh, story that's basically meant to wrap up all of his loose plot plot threads, um, with Inferno. So I can hopefully it's like, and hopefully they'll get Rob back to talk about. But this one happens. Also, um, Christine Jess and uh, Matthew Roberts um, manifest destiny. Basically, um, what if Lewis and Clark um, ran ran to a bunch of X Files during their um, expedition over, the, like um, over, like over the Louisiana Purchase? Well, that's also wrapping up next year as well. I'm looking forward to seeing how, like how that goes as well. I'm also, I also like to see um, Hickman and um, Mike Mike Holston's um, decorum wrap up as well because that might be happening but um it's like but um, apparently like the uh whatever final volume final issue needs to um, complete completed story um is taking a while to come out as well but hopefully we'll see that happen next year as well um in the near future though you can look forward to um it's like to me and rob talking about um the immortal hulk it's like next next time out also i've got Plans to talk about um Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Russo's um um where um werewolves and um moon it's like and moonshiners and mobster story on moonshine it's like and also um Star Wars has a uh, big crossover they um wrapped up recently with uh that's the War of the Bounty Hunters that I want to get like um get get going on as well at some point oh and also uh um Akira Hiromoto's um, like, like his, his, like his fan service, um, te- fan service entry, he- fan service heavy style, um, gets a, a superhero workout in Raw Hero, and the final volume of that is coming out in February as well. And look for, I'll probably cop, um, talking about that. Um, it's like once it happened, once the final volume like comes out as well. So, yeah, it's like lots of stuff to look forward to, like in the near. It's like and um, not so near future as well. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a barrel laughs. Actually, a lot of good stuff. A little, well, a little bit of good reading here and there. Hmm? Absolutely, man. It's like we got we got things planned out like for, like for the next couple months. This couple months as well. Maybe not through um, not to Fanime at least. But hey, it's like we got we got plans. Sweet, see you. Um, what a great summary there. Um, the Lois and Clark. Oh, is it Melissa Clark? Sorry, I'm thinking of <laughs> Lewis and Clark. <laughs> My brain just went to the left there for a minute. Okay, so um, you know that sounds pretty interesting. Um, okay, yeah, so that kind of sounds very interesting. Anyway, um, so that's pretty much your summary. Um, do you know what you're going to be talking about next time? Yeah, but basically, it's like I need need to run things by Rob, but chances are we we'll talk about the Immortal Hulk next time out. Nice. Okay, everyone. Thank you for dropping by. Comment picks by the glit. Laters.